the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 153, recorded Friday, July 25th, 2014. The show without Tim. AV Week is brought to you by Middle Atlantic Products, who invite you to stop by their new customer-focused website, Middle Atlantic Products, what great systems are built on. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. Uh, if you're watching this live, good afternoon, uh, at least in the in the central time zone and also in the in the East Coast. So uh, we have someone from the West Coast. It's still morning there, so thank goodness you know he's had his coffee. Uh, speaking of that, we'll we'll get him on first. Roger uh, Roger Takis is from Atlona. How are you, sir? I'm fantastic this this morning, Tim. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I see, it's still morning. Uh, also with us is Victoria Ferrari. I got to meet Victoria. How are you, ma'am? Good. Thanks for having me on. I got to meet her at uh, at Infocom and got her a, a nifty little uh, AV Nation shirt with red band on it. So, uh, Victoria is from Synergy CT uh, down in, in Texas. So, uh, and last but not least, a gentleman who I reeled into writing a blog this week because uh, we wanted to we wanted to talk about something specific. Uh, his name is John Green. Uh, he works for Advanced AV, and he wrote a fabulous blog, and we'll talk about it. How are you, sir? Wonderful, wonderful. Ready for it? As as we spoke earlier, we had a little bit of technology challenges, and but I'm here. Oh yeah, John, John, John's computer was up on the rack 30 minutes ago, so you know. But you know that's why we have technicians and smart people. You know, right, I, that's I, exactly right. Yeah, and, I, I and a shout out goes to those. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's like gift card in somebody's future, I believe. Yes, uh, it's like a net at the the network administration day every year. You, know, you have to get those people something for that, otherwise, right, you're not getting anything. Right. Uh, some privileges are cut off. Yes, all of your privileges. <laughs> Uh, all of our uh, podcasts are brought to you by the fine folks at Middle Atlantic, uh, middleatlantic.com, what great systems are built on. We'll, we'll talk about those guys in, in, in about 20 or 30 minutes or so. Uh, all right, uh, first up for us is the uh, news out of our buddies over at CE Pro. Samsung is buying the smart home company, Smart Things. First of all, <laughs> purchase price, $200 million. And I am in the wrong end of this business. Uh, so, uh, John, we'll start with you on this one. Here's the thing, the whole internet of things and, and that buzz world word, and I'm trying to stay away from that, uh, but that kind of pulls us towards that, that the story does. Um, where do you think Samsung is going with, with purchasing this? Um, are they trying to get with the smart TV now and, and, and purchasing, uh, the smart thing, uh, comp- the smart things company? Uh, are they trying I, to get more and more yeah. integrated, kind of uh, an Apple-ish type thing? I, you know, it's funny. My my take on the Internet of Thing, especially when you have an organization like Samsung, or even an organization like Panasonic, you have so many multi layers of organizations that I'm not quite sure whether they want to sell TV sets or they want to sell refrigerators. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, you know they're. You know, they realize that there are devices out there and there are certainly going to be apps driving those different devices so things can communicate together. Um, you know, we see it in the AV industry on a regular basis. I mean, you're going to walk into a room and you're going to want your iPad to work or you want to walk into a room and you want everything to work. You know, we're used to that. And it's just going to the home market right now. Um, and, and, and what's I guess what's interesting to me from this perspective is there is going to be that demand. I mean, we are often driven in the in the, in the professional marketplace by a consumer market, it, it, and that comes and goes. The internet thing, internet of things, is going to cause that to happen. Um, you know, reading an article and, and understanding, you know, somebody walking with a watch, you know, yeah. and reporting back, oh, you should have went out and got milk, or you know, and or flashed up on a screen when you sit down with your sandwich and your beer and you're ready to watch the football game and says, hey, you want to buy games, you know, tickets to the next week's game? It's it's all going to be blended together. <laughs> That's what I see, and I, I see it even on a professional side. And I, I think that people like Samsung see it, 
and they get to decide, you know, whether, like I said earlier, whether they're going to buy, they're going to sell refrigerators or TV sets. Well, I didn't so. think about the whole wearable thing. You, you mentioned the watch, the ability to walk into a room, and it's it's a conversation that I've had with with some folks before in in, in my full time job. Uh, is the ability to recognize folks, right? And you walk into a classroom, you know, Professor Smith walks into a classroom and all the settings are, are changed for that professor uh you know or you walk into a, a you know you walk you get you get home right and you know you walk into the house and, and your kids have have one set of of abilities and you have a whole set another set of abilities uh, it's even it's it's a future you know obviously you know i grew up in a time when the jetsons was the, was was the king of the of, of the technology leading you know the roadmap but Literally, that's what's supposed to happen. Uh, you know, again, as we, as I precursor this whole thing, I went to my computer today. I pressed a couple buttons, and it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that's a frustration that everybody and everybody's going to see and feel. You know, I guess my only thing on the consumer side is, what's the expectation? Uh, do you expect your refrigerator to send you a, an email? And what are you going to do with that information? And is that really pretty annoying? Those type of things, but. We'll see. Um, it's certainly it's it's interesting. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I tell you, I, I look at it from a, a little bit different perspective from my past at Crestron uh, before at Lona, and I'm looking at this thinking I think Samsung got a bargain at two hundred yeah. million dollars compared to what Apple's paying and what Google's paying for similar technologies out there. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Samsung doesn't want to be left in the dust. And, and they're doing everything they can right now to keep up with Apple, to keep up with where Google is, and to make sure that they stay relevant. And, and you know, you say, well, does Samsung want to be in refrigerators, or do they want to be in cars, or do they want to be in phones, or do they want to be in TVs? Uh, look at where Apple is. Apple's everywhere right now. And Samsung is doing the best they possibly can just to try to keep up. And for $200 million, if they acquired some patents in this as well, because that's another thing that Samsung runs into all the time, especially in their competition with Apple, and Google as a partner with Samsung on that, they're constantly trying to figure out how not to get sued. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, the trucks with the nickels are going to start backing up to Apple again in order to pay off those lawsuits and the billions of dollars and, the, and causing problems with the U.S. Mint. Well, yeah, and that's that's a good point. Is is I didn't even think about the patent side of this. They probably it is a good deal, and and especially if they got a you know a, a nice uh, patent portfolio. Uh, Victoria, when it comes to you know not just you know home AV, but also let's be honest, we we some of us at least put um, put or design Samsung displays inside you know court you know courtrooms and boardrooms and stuff like this. Where is that going to take Samsung in in the in terms of you know, pro and, and residential AV, where does that put them in the grand scheme of, of control and automation? Um, I guess I don't, I, I don't understand the question. Sorry. Well, do, it, since, since they're buying, since they're buying smart homes and they're, and they're, you know, possibly oh, going to integrate that into their already existing, uh, infrastructure and, and their already existing products. Do you think maybe that that would help them, you know, let's say that you put a, a, a Samsung display in a, in a, in a boardroom, would that help them maybe, you know, control everything else? Or is that just, you know, they're going to keep that in more residential and, and stay and stay away from pro-AV? I think um, it could potentially open the door there. But, you know, I've seen a lot uh, in the industry that people don't like change. You know, it's easy to just design kind of the same thing over and over again. Do, you know, do what you know. And, and the techs are familiar with it. The, you know, design engineers are familiar with the, the control that they've been using, um, you know, I see, I definitely see Samsung as a player on the residential side and the consumer side. You know, I love Samsung products. I have a Samsung phone. I have a Samsung printer. I almost bought a Samsung. Uh, you know, I have a, a, a one of their LCD panels in my house. So, you know, I think that um, they're definitely giving Apple a run for their money on that side, and they could potentially get into the on into the pro side, but um, that would take a lot more work on their on their part. Yeah, I think so as well. That's the one thing about you know moving between residential and pro is it's, it's sometimes difficult. Um, that art that article, not to interrupt you, Tim, no, but that article that you that you passed out there that we looked at, uh, it, it talked about uh, a little bit of the area where we're 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 getting into these smaller markets in the residential area and all the different players in that. 
And that residential market really has an opportunity for the do-it-yourselfers, like it said. And these do-it-yourselfers are looking for a really inexpensive way to do things. And, you know, being a former Crestron guy, I've got a lot of Crestron in my house still. Mm -hmm. uh, I know the people at Atlona would like me to replace it with Atlona, uh, but my wife says, you're not replacing it as long as it works. Uh, mm -hmm. So she knows what I, what I went through in order to get it working. But it all works. And for those do-it-yourselfers that don't have the ability to program Crestron or AMX or anything else out there that's going to take a lot of time, if Samsung can turn a light switch on and off from your phone or your TV remote, they're going to be looking for that, uh, just like if Apple can do it, because we all know that Apple's going down the same road. Yeah. So it's that battle to get everything in the home, not just the one device here and there. And that's that's why I really look at this, and I think Samsung made a, a great a great purchase at a bargain discount compared to what the industry has been paying for these days. Well, and, and Roger, that, that kind of leads us to another question that we've asked on this several times before when it comes to the app-driven, you know, smart home. And, and I'll ask you, you three here and anybody that wants to comment on it, does that not lead us to the app version of the too many remotes then? Because if you've got an app that runs your, your lights and an app that runs your TV and then another app that runs your stereo and another app that, that unlocks your doors, you're basically you've got a, a page full or if you're, you know, if you if you nest them into one folder, you have a folder full of, of control apps, which is not as unsightly as, a, as, you know, a basket full of remotes, but it's still kind of the same concept, isn't it? Well, well yeah. I'm going to jump on this one on the control <laughs> side. You know, we I walk into my boardroom and it, it, it's while I don't have a variety of apps nested in one folder, I have 20 pages to get to the page that says volume up, down sometimes. And, you know, the problem is, is that we design systems on the pro, pro side for, hey, this is going to be a cool thing to do. Let's bury it here. <laughs> uh, and, I, you know, and, and at home, as and that's what I was alluding to earlier, I think that there's a fair amount of, I just wanted to do this, this, and this, and I'm happy. So having an app that is the master of all, sure, you know, and I think that the, the other danger of of that is is my teenage son would probably take on that challenge and bring them all together because he's being taught coding at a high school level now. So there's that, you know, weirdness about it. Uh, I, I want to go back to another comment about the Samsung. You know, we, we do relatively high-end conference enterprise-level selling, and we just put out a project for probably was worth about a million dollars worth of conference rooms. And the, the pushback comes from an end user. Well, I can get the Samsung. And you sit there and you say, you're going to save $50 a set times 20 sets. Is that really the bargain that you're looking for? And then you have to go into the conversation. Well, it only has HDMI and we have to change our entire wiring structure. All that weirdness is coming at us hard and fast. So we've, we've you know, whether Samsung fits the pro market, the customers are getting to decide that conversation daily. Oh, yeah, one one of the, one of the areas there, you know, as you, as you bring that up about the apps and all that, I've I've made jokes about this over the years. If you start to just try to control your home or your office with apps, all you've done is turn your smartphone into a universal remote control, mm -hmm. right. where you've got to you've got to push the button in order to get to the buttons that you want to use to control things. That's not a solution. But I think what Samsung's doing with this is they're they're creating the single app. That will that will act kind of like a control system, yep. so you won't have to open multiple apps. Okay. At least, at least that's my impression. If they're not going that direction, oh, it's a horrible mistake. Yes. At Lona, the discussion comes up all the time. Well, should we make an app to control our devices? And I constantly respond with, Who wants to use an app to control their switcher? Yeah. You know, yeah, you could. We could control our switcher with an app, but. Do you really want to have a, a, a controller in our an app-based control for our switcher, and then an app-based control for your amplifier, and then an app-based control for your TV? It doesn't make any sense at all. So, as long as it's done correctly and not a universal remote of apps, uh, but more of an integrated solution, I think it will be a good thing. Yeah, Roger. Uh, all I want from you is the ability to talk to it over IP, and don't you know? Don't worry about the app. I'll take care of. It. Right. <laughs> and and John, you need a better programmer. If you're if you're uh, taking twenty pages to get to a freaking volume. No, control, they just like they, they just like to play and when they let them play, that's what happens. So. Twenty pages. Good <laughs> lord, dude. Uh, oh, it's, it, well, hey, There's if it something does, called dashboard for control. 
<laughs> Download the white paper from Infocom. Good night. All right. Tim, Tim I, yes. uh, I'll tell you, I just sent an email off to one of our product managers this morning. I said, just make sure it has IP control. Just yeah. address exactly what you're That's it. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, guys. And, and, and again, I, I you know, work as a programmer and, and some other stuff. And we're getting more and more pushback from from companies, from, from Fortune 500 companies. Because, again, the CIO and the CTO are the people making yep. these decisions. They don't want 232. They think 232 is like an old, antiquated control protocol because yep. it is. But, but so they want everything over IP. And so we're having to that we're needing to, to design everything with every every rack that, that yep. we are designing and every system that we get to program has got a network switch in it. And that's the first place that, that my programmers go. It, when they start looking for the the protocols to control things, is is what you know? What can I do over IP? Uh, now, granted, there are, there are some th- people out there who still don't manufacturers who still don't have IP control, and so there are ways around that. And you can massage it, and you can you know you can get little network devices that will you know it'll stick sit on the on the network, and then it'll spit out two thirty two directly to the device. But yeah, we're getting more and more pushed to to be IP. Yeah. So. Yeah, and the push, but the pushback is obviously also very, very strong in our industry on standardizations. Yeah. The expectation that if I'm going to walk into room A, it's going to operate like room B, even though room B, room A is a huddle room and room B is a major conference room. So, yeah, I agree that, with you that. Yeah, and that comes back to the interface and you know how you know intuitive yep. it is. Yep. So, uh, all right, let's look at some pretty houses. Uh, this is not my house. This is from Electronic House. The 2014 Home of the Year Multi-Purpose Room Gold Winner. Now, this is not a residential show. I'm bringing this up for a reason, though. This sucker has motorized everything. Basically, you push a button, and it unveils itself. Um, It unveils the media room, and then you push another one, and it hides it. So, the way my brain works uh, is kind of scary. Is I'm like, okay, I'm thinking, okay. So that's the resi side, right? In the pro side, how and why should we hide things in conference rooms? Uh, Roger, we'll start with you on this one from a manufacturer standpoint. You guys make switchers and a number of other products. You also make some very small devices, which are very easy to hide, I might add. Uh, oh, yes. how, how do we do this? Or, and, and when should we do this, I guess I should say? Well, I think you have to look at a trend that's gone on over the last 10, 15 years. And there was a trend uh, a while ago where people wanted to show off the technology in the room. They wanted to show people how cool and how big their projector was so that they could see how bright it was. And and what's happened slowly is people have started to realize that the box with the light coming out is really not that attractive. I don't care how aerodynamic they make it look. They don't want to see it anymore. Uh, and it, the same thing's happening across the board. I know without Lona, we've, we've gone so far as to make our rack-based devices try to look cool. Uh, we've got a little slope in the box. Uh, the box goes in a rack, and then it disappears, and you never see it again. And then we, we also put a, make a lot of our smaller boxes that you can just uh, attach to the back of the devices and have them go away, or wall plates or ceiling plates, uh, anything we can do to help get the technology out of the room. Uh, the trend today is to have the technology, but I don't want to see the technology. And, and that's why uh, companies like Atlona are in a fantastic position. You know, as we're distributing everything over HD-based T, bringing, bringing over a single twisted pair wire into the room to a small receiver box behind the display, uh, behind the projector, wherever it may be, we're taking that larger technology out uh, and bringing it smaller with fewer wires, and we're, we're delivering what people want to see. I love that article because uh, it's something I've been talking about for years. Uh, we've gotten to the point where really everyone wants everything. No one wants to have a room without everything, but no one wants to see a thing. Yeah. If they're not using it, they don't want to know it's there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I ahead, I Victoria. totally agree. You know, I think um, aesthetics are important, especially in, you know, like executive boardrooms and um, places like that. You know, the, the client who hires an architect to design a room to look beautiful I mean, they don't want to see, you know, like Roger mentioned, a projector in the ceiling or even sometimes the flat panel, you know, on the wall. Um, and, you know, I've, what I've found in the 10 months that I've been an integrator, um, I've actually had a little couple 
debates here and there with the architects, like, well, why are you using those microphones in the table? You know, don't you have something that, that we could hide? Can we put them in the ceiling? And I'm like, ah. Uh. But um, so I, I agree. I mean, and, and clients are spending a lot of money on the architect. Most of the time, more money than they're spending on, on the AV. So, oh, yeah. you know, so they want the room to look good. And, and, you know, I think, I mean, that house, that's awesome. That's a cool, very cool way to do it and definitely I think we'll see it more and more in the on the commercial side that to hide the technology. But John, John, go our, ahead, John. our experience is exactly the same. I mean on a corporate enterprise level that's really important. It's but it's also important and that and one of the other struggles I guess that everybody in this industry has is getting that A V vendor into the timeline of a conversation early enough mm -hmm. to make sure that, that happens. Um, you know, when you're talking to end users, anytime you put motorized in, there's always a cool factor that gets torn away as a budget gets applied to it sometimes. So, um, so <clears throat> I, I, again, I agree. I think that there's there's absolutely a drive to simplicity, you know, uh, standardization, and they don't want to see technology. They just want things to work. So, yeah. so just my, I confirm everything said prior. <laughs> that, you know, that, hey, that works. Uh, nothing wrong with having a, a consensus. Uh, from Installation International, a, a consultant by the name of Craig Lovell, uh, basically was interviewed by uh, about, um, well, audio networking. Uh, and he made a comment, and so I wanted to ask uh, the panel here. Audio networking is difficult for installers to know all of the protocols. And he goes down the list of Cobranet and Dante and AVB and ALC an AES 67 and this, that, and the other. So here's the question. Um, I, I'm not going to ask the simplistic question of, of, you know, are there too many protocols? Um, I guess the best question to ask, and, and it, John, we'll start with you on this one. Is there a best protocol? Uh, and, and if so, how do we get there? I mean, how do, how do we get uh, engineers and, and, and design consultants to standardize? I'm going to lean on my age one? here. All right. <laughs> I'm going to lean on my age. I'm going to go back to the Betacam, oh, uh, Betamax geez. VHS wars. Um, it, it, you know, it, it, it really is. I, you know, the bottom line, and I, you often see it, is that the marketing and price will drive the winner. Okay. Uh, you, know, they're, they're, you know, there are engineers out there that will stand there and make the argument of this protocol and that protocol. And if it's not priced right and it's not adopted and it's not marketed properly, you lose. I mean, I, and again, I, I guess I'm coming from a from a sales and marketing standpoint. And I think the tech, you know, I, I can't speak, uh, you know, intelligently on the on the technical reasons of one over the other. But I can tell you that after everything's said and done, that seems to be a the driving factor for a winner. So, all right, uh, Victoria, from that end and in, in the the pricing and everything like that, is there, um, is there a sweet spot or is there a, a preferred? Um, infrastructure. I mean, because a lot of most of these are, are running twisted pair, right? Most of these are running category cable. Um, so, is there, you know, what is maybe the, the the best selling point when it comes to a protocol, or is there one? Yeah, that I've gone kind of back and forth on this because you know it's nice to have a standard and you know to have compliance and have something that just you know works and you're supposed to it's supposed to follow certain rules and all that, but it never really happens, you know, there's never anything that's really truly a standard, I mean, you know, there's always variations here and there, I mean, even with HDCP, I know that's video, but, um, you know, there's certain rules and regulations and things to be followed, but um, people do things differently, I mean, it's a different piece of hardware with, run by, you know, with different chips and different programming and all that, um, so I don't know that we could ever make one standard, um, and I don't know if it's beneficial. If that ever does happen, you know, it could be really good. Um, but I mean, there's always going to be different ways to send things down the pipe. Roger, you got to save us on this one. You're the manufacturer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Roger. We don't do audio, don't do audio products. Well, sure you do. Yeah, the problem is, is that one of the victories on this is going to be the manufacturers. Yeah, that's you know, true. It's, yeah. It's, you know, it's it's there's 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 two critical things, especially when you talk about this type of stuff. There's the consultant that's going to have that dinner and have that understanding and have that comfort of it to specify it. You know, uh, because we as an as integrators often get the end of the stick and we we start to implement it and we find out 
we're ver need, we need version 2.0 and 2.3 and 2.7. It goes on and on and on. And then eventually what will happen is, is we're barking enough that somebody abandons it. So, but we're still at the point where the manufacturer thought process is probably very important here. Well, I think I can, I can look at this with, with two different points of view and how the audio industry is going and why they're going the direction that they're going and then look at where the video industry has gone and, and the success of video and what, what's happened on that side. Uh, you know, to look at the audio industry, I mean, you look at any consultant out there that you're going to talk to, and I, I go out of my way to try to talk to as many consultants as I can, yeah. and every consultant right now has their favorite audio format uh, for putting audio over the network. Yeah. And, it, and it seems that whatever the newest one is, is the new favorite of, of everybody out there. So, so you say that it comes down to sales and marketing, but in a lot of times, I think for consultants, they want to be on the cutting edge of audio. They, they don't want to be left behind. If someone's going all digital over IP, like by all means, I've got to go all digital over IP. And that's where a standard is really not able to take hold because everybody wants to try to continue to be cutting edge and more cutting edge and more cutting edge. And, and eventually, you know, that's why we've got all these splinters because everybody wants to do something different and they want to be more advanced than somebody else, which is creating this just plethora of people out there and plethora of formats that are out there on that side. But look at the video side. Now, it's happened completely differently and for video. So everything that we do video-wise and distribution is HD-based T. Yeah. Right. So HD-based T is a consortium, but it's all based on a valence chipset. So while you think that there'd be other people out there trying to do things, and yes, Extron's tried to do other things, AMX has tried to do other things, uh, multiple other companies have tried to do other things. But really, once HD-based T became established and everybody saw that it worked, the other things went away. And everybody's jumping on the HD-based T bandwagon along, you know, Atlona's there, Restaurant's there, and, and all these other companies are trying to jump towards HD-based T. The difference is, is while all these companies are doing it, it's based on a standard off of a single chipset. So, you know, in the audio world, you got all those audio guys creating all their own things, and there's not one company driving it and selling it to everybody else. That could make the difference for audio. If someone can get out there and try to license it, you brought up the Betamax versus VHS wars. If Sony would have licensed Betamax to everybody back in those days, John, Marketing. come on. Marketing. Come on. I, I yeah. it, but that's we never would have had a DVD. Come on, you're making my point. I mean, JVC lost. Okay, see this is you know I you know I was back in those days when you, they literally go we're gonna lose this war give it away, you know. Um, so that's and it turned it did it turned into a marketing campaign. I I, I can remember spending hours talking. Yeah, about I mean, this. and the same thing happens even 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 though what we're talking about here, you know I love to have the Harmon guy come in and have the buy amp guy come in and it just put him in a room and go watch this happen. Yeah, so. go ahead. Yeah, Victoria. I mean, how do the consultants know about the latest and greatest? Unless they're, you know, tuning into the sales and marketing. So, <laughs> okay, so let and, me, and also, good. I understand why consultants want the latest and greatest. I mean, they're usually doing projects way, way far in advance. You know, I mean, I, I've tried different roles in this industry. I've worked in as a manufacturer. Now I'm, you know, doing the integration side. I don't think I would ever want to be a consultant. Like, I mean, they're they're doing jobs that are so far out in the future. I mean, by the time it does you know, go to bed and go to the integrator, it's some of the stuff's, you know, changes okay, so, so fast. Let, let me ask you this, because it, it, uh, I understand the latest, greatest thing, right? But isn't there something to be said for something that is tried and true and works, not something that's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah, and that's the that's classic a... war between integrators and consultants, you know, it's like... Right, here's integrators... a, here's, and here's, here's the better one, we talk about all these things... What problem are we really trying to solve? I mean, that's that's, that's the bottom line. I mean, yeah, that's we we forget to ask that question often when we're talking to our clients. What problem are we trying to solve? Because, you know, a forty-inch plasma on a wall will work, and it doesn't have to be a microtile wall. Yeah, we want a microtile wall, but we have to solve the problem. And 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 I and I and I I truly respect what the consultants do because that's the question that they're that they're asking their clients and trying to get the answers from. And the other thing that's happened in this industry, the clients don't know. No. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, they just they they look at the technology and they and you're right, John. They they, they don't simply know what they're trying to do. Um, right. You know they know what they they know what they what, what an end result might be sometimes, yeah. or you know, or a feeling might be, or I saw this might be, but it's it's there's a lot of positions well before us that I do not envy. I agree with you, Victoria. All right. Uh, on on that note, we're going to take a slight break. You guys can get uh, get yourself something to drink uh, and what have you, because we're going to talk about our fine friends over at Middle Atlantic. Middle Atlantic uh, is is one of our sponsor is, is our sponsor right now. Uh, they got two things they want to talk about. First of all, the uh, the new C five series credenzas uh, and their new Flex View display solutions. Uh, first, the, the credenzas they came out and uh, we showed you on on a couple of sh- shows ago the plethora of of, of overlays they have. Um, for the uh, for the credenzas, the 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 colors and the, the types of uh, of 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 just uh, of designs they have, they they have some that look like uh, wood and some that look like marble and tons of colors. So when you are working with the architect and you do want to hide uh, the equipment, this is, is this is actually one good really good way to do it. I didn't even plan that. This is one good way to do it. Um, uh, the other thing they have is the Flex, Flu- Flex View Display Solution, and this is a this it's it's a monitor uh, display. Uh, it's a display uh, mount, and they have a couple different uh, options. One has a, a motor on it, lets you raise it up and down. Very cool. In the back side, um, they've got uh, the Middle Atlantic. Um, I call it the Middle Atlantic lacing uh, lacing uh, bar, but it's a, a place where you can mount equipment. Uh, they also have another one that has the very huge giant base uh it's basically it's a it's a vc it's a video conferencing uh display mount that you can roll around uh so check out both of those you can go to middleatlantic.com you can get uh, customer support there from eight in the morning until eight at night eastern time so whether you're on the east coast or west coast you're doing a job and you you just got to have somebody to help walk you through whatever uh you need uh, from from middle atlantic Go to the website, middleatlantic.com. Middle Atlantic, what great systems are built on. So we thank them so much uh, for their support of, of AV Nation. Uh, all right, uh, from Innovate on the net, uh, dot net, um, the world's first projection mapped display unit. And I'm going to see if I can show this on the video uh, portion. Um, if not, we'll just simply uh, describe it. Uh, but basically, this is a, you know, there it goes. So if you're watching the video portion, we'll, we'll kill the music there. Um, it, it's basically, it's a 3D um, and, and I, I, I hesitated even doing this story because of much as much as I hate 3D, but it's a 3D digital signage uh, box uh, from a company called Projection Artwork. Um, Victoria, the, the question I put on the, on the show notes to you guys, is this the next generation of digital signage? Um, is this where we're going to go when it comes to digital signage? And that is showing things like, in, the, in this case, they were showing tennis shoes, uh, but showing things, products and, and, and services inside a, basically an, an, an auto stereoscopic box, or is this just kind of a gimmick maybe? I think it's hard to say at this point. I don't think it's going to completely take over every single digital signage application, but it's definitely cool. It's cool to have out there, you know, um, I, I love the idea of how they do it with the mirrors. You know, I didn't think about that, but it's, I mean, light bounces, you know, and so if you have mirrors in the right place like that, just like in a rear projection, you know, system, um, you can you can bounce the light to make it look cool. Um, for, I think it's awesome. I, I love it. I mean, that's I would put that in my house just as artwork. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> Not the shoes necessarily, but, uh, you know. It was, they were pretty shoes, yeah. <laughs> uh, Roger, when it comes to this, I mean, is this is this where we're going with digital signage, or is this just kind of a, a gimmicky thing to do? You know, I, I looked through the article and and I thought about it, and I, the first thing that entered my mind was, why would you put this in a store where you're selling the thing that you're advertising? That doesn't well, make any sense, <laughs> that's and that looked like what they were trying to do. Uh, because the first thing that I thought is kind of where you're going. Let me put this in an airport, uh, right next right next to that uh, that Best Buy in a box. Oh uh, yeah. 
and and try to sell stuff over there where people are walking by or they're bored waiting for a flight or something. Uh, but yeah, that from a signage perspective, it, it does look pretty cool. And then you can have somebody order something right from that and turn it into a kiosk uh, and have it shipped to their home or something. Uh, just another thing, kind of like uh, Redbox, you know, somebody can mm. have their whole business replaced by a box outside of 7-Eleven. Right. I, I agree. And, and, and we've been involved in digital science for a long time, but they always ask you a couple of questions. How cool? How much? Oh, yeah. And, and that's, you know, and that's not, uh, I, that's remarkable technology. I don't think that that was, that was an inexpensive solution. I think that if you're going to do a thousand of them, sure, you can bring the price down. But, you know, digital signage needs to see a return for its dollar almost immediately before they adopt it. That's what we generally find. Uh, but, you know, my personal opinion is that absolutely is where it's going, flat out. Even on mapping, I think that, you know, visually, I think that it grabs people's attentions. I think that, it, you know, you, you walk by something like that, whether you want it to go to that store or not, you're going to walk into that store. And whether it fits its function of, you know, gonna, you know, I'm gonna design a shoe, which is a very good idea. I agree. You know, it's it's the barker on the boardwalk. John, John, say that again though, because you said you made a comment there real quick. You said that the digital signage needs an ROI almost immediately. Is that is that the the standard expectation that almost, you know, my, whatever I lay out for this, I'm going to get a return within a month or so. Well, I, I I think that that's what they're looking for. Okay. I, I, the you know they they there's a hesitation to make an investment, you know, especially let's say from if you're going to go to the retail side, a supermarket is not going to put that in. Their their margins are too low. They need to have somebody else sponsor that. So if it's craft that's going to sponsor it, they're good to go. But somebody up the food chain is going to say, what's the return of investment? I mean, that's the driving factor, uh, because if they can accomplish the same thing with a paper flyer, what's the advantage? Um, there's there's an awful lot of conversation. The other and the other driving factor, and we've we've seen it and we've heard it often is the content. Somebody's got to create that content. And that's, you know, a catalog of a thousand shoes and and you can do all kinds of things with it. There's an awful lot of work with that. So I don't know what the margins is. You know, maybe a lady shoes, Victoria, it's really good, but sneakers, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm Jeez. wrong. I I don't know. I don't know what the margin is on shoes. I just know <laughs> You know what? I've got like two. I have a pair of black <laughs> echoes and I have a pair of brown echoes, and that's it. I guess tennis yeah. shoes. So. What are you? My style is I got a brown one and I got a black one. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> now, Matt Scott, on the other hand, Matt Scott has, you know, I don't, yeah. He has a very large shoe closet, so uh, he's not even here to defend himself. So, uh, all right. So, here's the thing. Um, some interesting things have happened since Infocom. We've gotten a lot of people uh, writing blogs now on our site, other than me. Uh, and one gentleman uh, wrote his first blog, and I was very happy with it. I was very impressed. Uh, the blog is called Why I Decided to Attend Infocom, hashtag Infocom, I have to put this out there, with my hashtag eyes and my ampersand ears. The author is John Green, uh, and it was interesting, because uh, not, not for nothing, but Advanced AV was one of the sponsors of the tweet up. Uh, and John wasn't there. You're, you're, some of your representatives were there, but you weren't. You were there, You were not there on purpose, uh, because you you in, attended Infocom basically uh, through social media. So real quickly, we'll start with you, and then we'll get Roger and, and Victoria in on this. But but you know, walk me through the process of of you know how you decided to do this, and then and then your experience experiencing Infocom through social media. The um... I'm in an age group where Twitter, where Tweet and, and Facebook are not necessarily an adopted practice, but uh, it, LinkedIn is obviously something that our industry uses on a on a regular basis. And five years ago, when I lost my job, I used LinkedIn and said, "Hey, this is pretty neat." And and I and I and I started to study it as a sidecar, you know, as to why why somebody uses it, how you communicate that type of thing. But I mean, there's some some real life anecdotal stories that made me drive towards social media. And, and, and I'm going to try to make this as short as possible. Yeah. I'm a Flyers fan, and we were playing Pittsburgh one year, and we were, I brought a house of 20 people together, and we're looking at the TV set, and they're showing the L.A. Kings. And, and, and I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to tear the place down. They're going to, I, I said, well, I don't, where's the, I'm waiting for Comcast to put along the screen, Flyers building burns down, TV game. Not, not, yeah. And I, I – I, what is happening? And my teenage daughter is sitting on her phone, and she's pounding away on the phone, and she goes, it's coming on in a couple minutes. I go, what? She said, it's coming on in a couple minutes. They're just doing this as a preview. I go, 
how do you know that? And she says, it's all, they're talking about it on, twi on Twitter. I go, Tw Twitter? What's Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> oh, duh. <laughs> Hang on, oh, we got to show Roger. Did I just feed? I I just fed you, didn't I, Roger? <laughs> hey, John, thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks, you know, Roger we're, is we're showing. We're proud of our LA Kings here yes. in Southern California. Oh my gosh! Well, let me tell you, it was, in three it, was, years. it was truly a disturbing moment in my household because we don't care about LA, and you were talking about you carrying it around. It was really pretty funny. So you can imagine, you can imagine on your side of it, the humor to see twenty Flyers fan going, "Why are we watching the LA Kings?" It was really pretty funny. Um, but I've heard reverse coast bias. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, what, what was interesting to me is that there was, an inter there was a conversation going well beyond us. Yeah. There were 20 people in the room, and there was a conversation that was going on around the same event, and they were coming at it from a different perspective. Um, so from that moment on and, and many other moments afterwards, I, I threw myself at it and tried to understand it. And, and as I said in my article, it's, it's, it's brought a passion. You know, there's a real passion for this. And I, I enjoy it because I have identified this outside world. I mean, and, and, and I said, I've been to Infocom 30 times. If I see, if I see Las Vegas one more time, I'm probably going to just blow my brains out. Uh, you know, it's 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 charming and and it's it's wonderful. But let me come at it from a let me look at it from the outside going in on a on a on a, a Twitter feed. And what was remarkable to me is AV Nation was one of them. There were a lot of other people that put together the AV selfie was a was a wonderful idea. Yeah. All those things gave us an opportunity to talk about a common experience. Um, you know, one other thing that I saw recently, which was was remarkable to me, was the World Cup. I don't watch soccer I'm a football and I'm a hockey guy but I watched I watched the last game and there were six million people watching the game or you know whatever it might have been 637 tweets and it wasn't all about soccer every once in a while somebody would talk about Gaza or somebody else would talk about another so there was a conversation it was a there was a living room outside of my own living room and that's exactly what I saw with this with this infocom I had also attended some other things. I do TED conferences for you know for full days and just see and, and jump in and, and and have my opinion. So it really was a lot of fun and and it didn't change the dynamic because when I as I said in my article, I went to the show, I grouped up with a couple of people. Victoria was one of them, mm -hmm. and we traveled the show together. Me and Victoria went to a booth. I saw a tweet and said, "Oh yeah, I got to get over there." Yeah. <laughs> and I would go to the website, and I would go to the tweets, and I would follow those people, and it was like, oh, that was really good. And, and what was even funnier at the end is I came back, and we have this breakdown meeting where everybody comes in from the shows and says, well, this is why you spent $1,000. I, I, I went to the Drunk Uncles concert, and I visited this booth, and I met this person, and they all said their piece, and I said, well, let me tell you what I saw. And it was different than everybody else. Yeah. It was... So I was one of the people, one of the six people that were there. Uh, my opinion had, you know, they were like, oh, I didn't see that. Oh, I didn't know that. Really? Um, you know, one other thing, and, and this is unfortunately, you can see I'm a little bit passionate about it. One of the other fun things that was really remarkable was the willingness for the booth people to interact with me. I mean, there was at one point where I was I was uh, interacting with Crestron because they had put the AV selfie up on everybody's um, uh, they put the AV selfie up on our large screen. I said, hey, what about me? Because I was using my carrot meme. And I said, put my carrot picture up there. Um, and they said, no, we can't do that. I said, oh, you don't know who you're dealing with here. And I interacted to the point where they at least took the picture of the meme, put it on a plasma in one of the back rooms and said, are you happy now? Leave us alone. <laughs> so the ability to still attend the show and, and, and interact with booth people was remarkable. Um, afterwards, they were, they were uh, again, I, I, I feel relatively honored to, to have increased my network. Victoria is one of them. Uh, we, we do business internationally, so we're looking for sourcing of technology people in England. I met a, I met a source for, for exactly that, and we've talked ever since. So I didn't lose anything, and I just think that it's a tool that everybody should use if they can attend. Um, it's, it, it was a lot of fun. So that's a, I, I loved your, I loved your blog. I, I thought it was Thank fantastic. You. And uh, it, it's one of the things that over the last few years, you know, 
now I'm at Atlona, before that at Crestron, you look at the trade show and what's going on with the trade show and where is it going and how much it costs to be there, how much it costs to, in not only time to be there, but uh, the lost cost of not being able to get any work done while you're there. It's always in June. It's always right before the busiest week of the, of the possible year, that last week of June when you're trying to do everything you can possibly do. So, you know, there's, there's always been the discussion recently of, how much longer are we actually going to go to trade shows? And, and that's what I kept reading your article and thinking of, is this the death of a trade show? You know, as, as this starts to catch on, you know, what says that instead of having it a big trade show in Vegas and then people remotely watching what's going on, instead it's, a, it's an AV Nation organized trade show that's entirely virtual where you have manufacturers that start to post things to AV Nation, and instead of people walking up and seeing things, they virtually go in, and then everybody starts talking about what they're seeing through the website, and you have that kind of interaction, and it saves companies thousands and thousands of dollars, and, and your feet don't get tired, and your back doesn't hurt, and you drink your own alcohol instead of waiting to get a free beer from somebody else. Yeah, I think there's I, there's so many dynamics on this. I mean, one of the one of the more important dynamics is the the control of the information. I mean, that's what trade shows are. Trade shows decide that you're going to find out about new products in June. Well, if I'm a consultant, I got a project in February. You lost. So, I mean, that communication, that ability to control the information is always one of the pet peeves I have about trade shows. I absolutely positively agree. We absolutely lose our minds that our top engineer has to be out there for four days. And if you divide that by the amount of hours we can charge for him, it's, it's, it, it hurts. Um, you know, the, the ability to find out information faster is relatively critical. Um, if if you if you have the product that's going to solve a problem, why would you wait two months to do it? Why would you wait a month? Put it out there and tweet, and again let the let that initial absorption occur. I I really did. If I if I'm walking with Victoria and Victoria and I said as I said earlier on, she went to the corners and crevices of, of booths, and I went, mm, that's interesting, and I went to a website and I did my research. And if I wanted to ask a question, I could go back into the booth. So, yes, but everybody loves a party. <laughs> So attending yeah, that, trade shows that's not going to You know, I've, I've been to 10 Infocoms, and um, I am sick of Vegas myself. But, the, you know, I can see the, the, the point you guys are trying to make with it being virtual and it being real time, you know, and it being, um, you know, doing it that way could be cool too. But I still feel that, you know, seeing that, that piece of hardware, seeing that stuff in person, feeling it, touching it, playing with it, you know, um, walking the walking the show floor, shaking hands with people. You know, I I feel that that's still important. And I mean, just kind of like what we were talking about uh, before the show started. You know, when um, the big E company dropped out of Infocom. <laughs> I mean, I I think it kind of hurt them. You know, I mean, we still it's still too maybe too early to tell. But you know, um, I think trade shows are important. I think more than just unveiling new products because I know that some manufacturers don't maybe really don't have something new and they kind of just like revamp something or add some features to something else just to show it at Infocom. Um, I've seen that happen with some with some manufacturers. Um, but I lost my train of thought. Where was I going? I don't know. But yeah, I think I think it's still important to have them uh, to have in person you know, trade shows, maybe maybe smaller regional events instead of one big, you know, show once a year, um, or maybe a combination. You know, maybe some manufacturers go virtual and some, you know, are there. Um, that, yeah, that, I, smaller, I, that smaller regional thing, uh, it's the same amount of preparation on the yeah. manufacturing side if you do a large show or a small show. So uh, I don't think more in-person trade shows is the, is the solution. But I think if someone tries out a virtual show, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. I the, the one thing that that I think that everybody, like in social, one of the differentiators that I'm seeing in the marketplace is that if there is a bit of personality from the manufacturer side, uh, if we we talked about the big E company not you know showing up at Extron, and the 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 product that they're putting out, it's it's dry. You know, it's here's a box that does this, and you're like, okay, great. 
And if I and I go to another, I go to the trade show, and I'm interfacing with somebody at a booth, and they bite back, or they they toy with you, or they play with you, whatever. It's adding personality to it, and it still doesn't take away from going to a central database where you can gather the information. I mean, if you ask me who I should buy a product from, I would tell you right now. I'm going to wrap a system. I'm going to put Listen in every system. I'm going to put Vadio in every system. Question's going to be here. You know that type of thing. At Lona. At Lona. Yes, Roger. At Lona's there. <laughs> yes. Thanks, John. Um, no, well, it is. I mean, that's we, no. There is. There's a reason for that. Is because there's a certain. There's a better communication. There's a little bit more of a of a of a touch. You know, that's what's going to happen. And I think that that's going to have some impact. It really is. So. Well, Tim, it looked like you were going in and out on us there. I, I had some network. Well, we, I, John's not the only one that had that had. <laughs> all right, you guys kept the conversation going. I appreciate it. Uh, a couple so of years we, ago, uh, we we committed we committed you to doing a virtual trade show. That's an awesome, <laughs> That's an awesome so, idea. So in in January, AV Nation is going to host the uh, the first ever. Uh, uh oh, did I just go away? No. Okay. Yes. You would just want to wait. Somebody yeah. Uh oh, something happened on my there side. Uh, okay, so an AV Nation in January is going to have to host the first ever virtual AV trade show. Okay, that worked. Now I, I will say it's it's not it's not the first one though. Uh, a couple of years ago, EH tried the same thing. Um, uh, a, a commercial, uh, not commercial integrator. Um, um, oh, Julie How Jacobson invited me to it. It was a, uh, it was Electronic a CE, Pro? Yeah, it was a CE Pro um, virtual trade show. Uh, with with uh, chat rooms and this that and the other and 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 you you could literally walk through and 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 click on the different booths and there was someone there a representative from the company and you could chat with them and they could show you videos of their product and this that and the other so but yeah How'd it go? we're good we're good we could, we could do it <laughs> long as long as you're up for it I mean you're you're the manufacturer so. And and John's ob obviously you know uh, is is game for it so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that was fun. That was, <laughs> that was an interesting little interlude there with with my technical issues. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that that was the last story I wanted to actually. I, I just wanted to end up with John's uh, with John's blog post and and talk a little bit about you know doing uh, doing trade shows remotely and and honestly the biggest thing I, I think that I got out of it, John, was the connections you made. Right, yes, and, and I, it was, it was kind of serendipitous the fact that we had Victoria on. I didn't realize that she was one of the people that, that you had connected with on on social media. Yeah. No, he was like my, yeah, my, my hundredth follower. Or some or oh, some wow. guy from his office was my hundredth follower. Yeah, that, that's how it started. That's, that's right. how it started. <laughs> I'm looking for my hundredth, and somebody jumped in on me, and I'm like, "What was that about?" Yes, <laughs> very much so. It was oh, fun. Very cool. And it was, and I and, and and I think that I, somebody else made the mention of it, and I and, and I I'm sorry I can't attribute it, but it was a friendlier show. Because yes, of that. I tell you what, and 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 here's the thing, and I'm not I I had very this much to do with with the selfie. Um, Chris Netto was is kind of the, yep. the 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 spearhead for that whole thing. That whole experience, right? <laughs> and, and everyone taking selfies, and and I actually got one a very nice one with with uh, Victoria. Uh, at one of the booths, and and it just made it more personal, right? It made it more yes. more more fun. Uh, and then the, the the times we got to, to play the video, and and now it's on our YouTube channel. Well, I know how to get the next winning AV selfie. I just got to bring the queen along with me, apparently. Well, <laughs> no, you we got you. We got yours in there with the carrot. Well, <laughs> we, well the carrot's good, but I think the queen. If I bring the queen and get her photo bombing me, right. I think I win. Well, that's fine. We will be doing it though at the at the Cedia show. We're, we're uh, Aviation is covering Cedia for the first time, uh, and as as we speak, uh, High Fi Phil Cordell is rewriting it and re reproducing uh, the AV selfie song for Cedia. Oh, uh, cool! So we'll be doing that. So uh, Roger, does does Atlona? I, I, here's the thing: I've never done Cedia, so I, I keep asking my manufacturer contacts. Do you guys do Cedia? Yeah, actually, we, we do do Cedia. Okay. Uh, our residential business is quite strong. Uh, our booth will be similar to what we had at Infocom, but with different content. Okay. Very cool. Now, is that, again, I don't know these things. Is that a show that you would go to, or is that more a whole different group of folks? Now, since I'm on the commercial side of our company, I have nothing to do with Cedia and a trade show that runs into Saturday, luckily. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, a, a trade show that runs into Saturday 
during football season in Denver when there's a Denver home game. <laughs> so, oh, at least there's a home game. Yeah. You have an excuse to go watch a football game if you're from Southern California. Good, good luck getting tickets to that. Uh, actually, our our buddy Matt Scott, who I mentioned, is a is a is a good size uh, residential and, and house of worship dealer, and that he he goes to CD House for years, and he's actually going. Um, to uh, he's go, he's going to Cedia, and then he and his dad are going to a Denver Bronco game. Uh, is there any, any any insight as to why Colorado all of a sudden is picked as all this good location for shows? Any driving factor for that? None at all. <laughs> has nothing to, to do to with in, engineers. And... I'm just asking. I, you know, Actually, I've, been over, I've been over to social media, so I don't know what's going on. I I, I mentioned to my wife that you know it's we're going to Cedia, right, and we're going to tweet up again, and it's in Denver. And certain things have happened in, <laughs> you know, somebody Federal mentioned. Legislation. Please yes. give me the hashtag so I can catch those hashtags later on in the day. Keyword hash there, John. Yeah. All right. I'll be here all week. On that note. She close it out. Middle Atlantic is so proud to, to, to sponsor this program. Um, John Green, thank you so much, sir. Thank uh, you. This has been fun. The blog was great. Uh, I appreciate it. Appreciate that. How can people find you or Advanced AV or both, actually? Well, again, our, our website is www.advancedav, well, one word, dot com. Relatively simple for that. Uh, my my tw- uh, Twitter handle is at jgreen6. That's G-R-E-E-N-E-6. Uh, I put it together just because that's how big my family is. That's simple as that. Oh, good deal. Uh, all right, uh, Roger Tekis, uh from Atlona. Um, and we we were talking. Uh, we, a lot of my my good friends are starting to work at Atlona, so uh, you guys are making some noise. Uh, how can people find you or, or Atlona? Well, we're happy to have your good friends over working with us now. And if and if you know more good friends that are on the East Coast that want to come work for us, I'm looking for a regional sales manager on the East Coast right now. So please send them my way. Okay. Uh, if you're looking for Atlona, you can find us at atlona.com. And if you should desire to follow a Twitter feed that doesn't get very much activity, you can follow me at Atlona Roger. Okay. I thought you were going to throw your 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 Atlona's social media people under the bus. It's like, Atlona, they don't do anything. No, Atlona actually does a very good job okay. on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and on yes, Twitter. Yes, they do. They, they, do a, they do a really good job, but you can follow me and, and not see anything, really, uh, if you'd like. Uh, I'm not very good on Twitter. Come to the, tw- come to the dark side. Come. <laughs> right. You know what? Twitter should just hire John. Just to... <laughs> I got to my, my, my even my 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 teenage daughters just look at me and go stop just stop. <laughs> All right, uh, and last but not least, Victoria Ferrari from CT uh, from from Synergy, CT. Uh, thank you, ma'am. Yes, it was fun. Uh, my Twitter handle Victoria zero four twenty nine. You can be my hundred and forty fifth follower. Uh, <laughs> Is there a prize for that, Victoria? Yes, one uh, unlimited supply of my tantalizing Twitter feed. <laughs> hey, wait, that's what you promised me, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. All well, right. I guess we're there. We'll see everybody at Infocom. We're going to be at Infocom, the regional show in Philadelphia, too. Oh, so very cool, I'm, very cool. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the... try the hashtag Cedia thing. I'll oh. maybe follow Cedia a little bit. Okay. Uh, I'll try your your method, John, and see how, what it's like. I, you know, we should, we should just get on the phone and just talk to each other. So about that, that's I agree. There's always that. Yeah, you can always just talk instead of oh, virtually talk. talk. <laughs> Phones hey, are so. If you want to <laughs> see me next week, I'm going to be in Boston next week at the Campus Technology Show. Uh, that's over a great in, show. Yeah, well, I'm going to be there. If you're going to be in the area, come by. I, got, I actually have we have we have representation going up there. That's next week, right? Yes, yes, yep. I'll be there Tuesday and Wednesday. I I may actually chase somebody over to you. Excellent. I'll be with the FM Valente uh, booth. Okay. Got it. Good people. Very cool. All right. Uh, speaking of Twitter, don't don't follow me, but but go by the website and follow the <laughs> the website because I'm like Roger. I don't I don't tweet very often. I should I I do. But as AV Nation and and a bunch of other people, so yeah, I my personal Twitter has 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 suffered. Let's just say that. Um, but go by the website if you would. AVNation.tv, AVNation.tv. This show and a host of others. Uh, the boys from the AV App Show uh, have recovered from Infocom, and they just posted a brand spanking new one yesterday. So check that out. Uh, AV Social, 
Live Life um, projectors. We've got uh, a, a projector show about uh, Pico projectors, one about lighting, all sorts of stuff. So yeah, go by the website. And now featuring uh, featuring a, a handful of bloggers, uh, John included. Uh, we have one from Bradford Ben. Uh, our buddy uh, Harry Mead did his swag report from Infocom 14 uh, with a table full of swag that he got at different <laughs> was, uh, at different booths. That was very uh, enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I think my favorite one was was uh, was Vadio's little lightsaber thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I was I was very very uh, jealous of and that. I, and yet you need to know that I'm actually tweeting them to death right now, going, "Where's my care package? I know I didn't go. Where <laughs> is it?" <laughs> What you need is is do Vadio Haley, and she's gonna oh, shoot no, me. No. She's gonna shoot me, Vadio Haley, uh, oh. for that. Oh, it's Vadio everybody over there. Oh yeah, Vadio everybody there's, over there. There's, yeah. there's Vadio Alec, the new intern. You got to meet the, the I've Vadio not met Alec. Alec. Yes, we haven't either. Okay. You won't come. Actually, Vadio uh, Vadio Alec stole my carrot meme because he only had oh. his egg. Yeah. He didn't put his picture up, so I gave him a hard time. So he stole my meme. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, all right. So yeah, do that. Uh, go by and, and check out all those shows, uh, and 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 say thank you to Middle Atlantic for for, for sponsoring all of our stuff. Uh, MiddleAtlantic.com. What great systems are built on. Thanks so much for watching, even when I dropped out. Thank, thanks so much for listening. Uh, Have this, a wonderful weekend, everybody. Thanks, you guys. This thank you has been AV Week.